Well, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Milestone McKinney. My name is Chris. I'm the campus pastor here. And uh, my wife, Wendy, and I want to welcome you this morning. Just like Alex said, we know each and every week it's someone's first time. That's a big deal to us. And so if this is your first time and Wendy and I haven't had an opportunity to meet you, we look forward to meeting you after service. Well, we're continuing in our series called Home for Christmas, and I don't know about you, but I have thoroughly enjoyed this series, the things that Pastor Jeff has been sharing about peace in the home. That's really the thing that we want. The thing that we all want in our life and the thing that means the most to us is we want peace at home. That's really what we're looking for. And uh, I want to talk today as we kind of wrap up this series before we go into our Christmas candlelight celebration uh, at the end of this, uh, this coming week, is I want to talk about what happens when that peace gets tested. How do we navigate that and how do we ensure that we're going to have peace and peace that sustains us, not just through Christmas, but and beyond. I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles, Romans chapter 12. We're going to get there in just a minute. I want you to think about the areas you need peace. I was reminded of this uh, this weekend, but then reminded again yesterday. You know, one of the areas I really need the Lord to help me, you can pray for your pastor, I need help in this area when it comes to peace, is this thing called shopping. See, there's, there's, a little, there's, a little, there's a little problem here. Now, now, look, don't get me wrong. I'm down with, like, do a little research, a little R&D, a little recon. A little more tactical. Like, I'm like, what am I going to get? I want to do some research on it. Is it the best thing out there? You know, before I go make a buy, whether it's small or big. So I'm into that. Do your homework, okay? I'm all for that. But when you walk in those doors, we're not there to shop. I'm not a big shopper. I like buying. I'm going to get in. It's tactical. I know what I want. I'm coming in. Boom. I'm bobbing and weaving. I'm navigating all the crazy folk. I'm getting in there. I get what I want. I get out. That's it. That's how I like it. But see, something happens during Christmas. He's trying to rob my peace. Devil, he's trying to hold me back. I, don't, I can't. But I love my wife. And she sends me to Hobby Lobby. And all the crazy folk are in Hobby Lobby. Everybody in Collin County is in Hobby Lobby. Why are you there? There's nothing on the shelves anymore. It was gone in July. Okay. They had just the remnants in October, all right? Everything is like 70% off. Just give it. I told Wendy, guess where I was last night? I was at Hobby Lobby. On Friday, I went, I saw one of y'all. I've seen y'all at Hobby Lobby. So now I know I got to be on my best behavior because y'all going to be in there, okay? I, I, I went in there three times before 11 a.m. I was at Hobby Lobby. It's a problem. But I love that little Cajun queen on the end, so I'll go. But people, I mean, it's, and look, when you get in the Hobby Lobby, full contact sport. I kid you not, I got waylaid by a grandma. She, was, she came up on, I'm just holding, I have one little thing. I just want to get in and get out. She came up behind, she's creeping, like breathing down my neck. I'm like, what's going on? And at Hobby Lobby, you've been in there, it's like they have one line. That's how you do it. One line, they have two registers. And next person, okay, I'm waiting for this lady. This lady comes, opens up the register. That grandma, she come, boom, she's a boom, little forearm shiver. She goes up there. The cash register, the lady at the register said, uh, excuse me, it's first come, first serve. We'll take. And she's like, oh, no, no, I just have this one thing. And she's like, no, ma'am, it, I, I'm going to uh, let him come forward. She's like, oh, I'm handicapped. I need, literally, she threw that out there at me. I'm like, just let her go. Just let her go. Lord was working on me. I mean, I had patience. I've been standing in line a good 45 minutes probably. I don't know. You think about that. You're laughing because you know it's true. That's why you're laughing. You're laughing, and, and you feel for me, because you're like, that's why I don't go to Hobby Lobby, Pastor Chris. Well, I wish I could do the same, but, but it, it just happens. 
And as funny as that is, you think about peace. And as we get closer to Christmas Day, as we get closer to our Christmas candlelight celebration and the special moment we're going to have as a church family, I think about some of the first words spoken about Jesus from the angels to the shepherds. In Luke chapter 2, verse 14, it says this. It says, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. I want you to think about that. Peace to those on whom his, who's he? It's Jesus. Favor, what is that? He's with you, he's for you. Rests, what does that mean? You're not having to wrestle for it. You're not having to muster up strength. You're not having to strive. You see, that's the significance of this season that we're in. It's not peace for those who strive for it, who, who work for it, who have the perfect conditions, but his favor rests on you and me. For those whom he has favor. See, my prayer is this is that you would experience the peace of Jesus' favor this week. You're coming into probably the busiest week, the most stressful week, all the things you're trying to button up and get done, all the preparations that you're making. And and over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about this peace, these interactions that we're going to have with family. In fact, 80% of you are probably going to be traveling at some point. And you're going to have, really, you're going to have, extended time with family and it's it can be enjoyable it can be fun you're going to have time with extended family in-laws so on and so forth but here's the kicker you're going to have extended time with extended family wrap your head around that okay well all right lord i really need peace what does that look like how do we navigate that you see you can have peace favor that rests on you and that's really the goal that when you walk into this season over this next week that you would experience the peace of Jesus, his favor resting on you. And when you look back a week from now, you can be proud of how you represented Jesus to your family. You can. Now, now I'll be honest, I haven't always done that really well. I haven't always had the moments where I'm just because I'll be honest, you get a little inconvenience. You have your flow. If you're newly married or maybe you're in that, you know, year to five years, maybe you just had a child, okay, and you're trying to navigate this. It's hard. Some of you in here, you have, you have they will they'll always be your sons and daughters. They're children. You're like, these are my adult children. You know, well, they're in life. Maybe it's part of the challenge. But, yeah, that's a whole other message. You're kind of like, hey, let's come over. And we have our family traditions. And we have all these things. But now, guess what? They have, they have in-laws. And now you're having to have this whole shared time. They go here. Then they go there. And then you got to split it up. And they're at Thanksgiving at your house. And then Christmas at the other. And vice versa. If they all live in DFW, you're expecting your uh, sons and daughters to drive all over the Metroplex to be at your house for breakfast. And then the other in-laws has it. You know what I'm talking about. That's why you're all grinning at me and smiling. And it's challenging. You, you, you are young and you, you just got married and you're trying to figure it out. You just had a child and you're like just running from one end to the other and keep the little baby on their routine and feeding and sleeping and all this stuff. But you feel all these expectations of family to be here, to be there. I remember the first time I went to New Orleans with Wendy to see her family. That's a full on, like it's a whole day. Like, I can remember, we're newly married, it's our first year. I'm like, all right, this is going to be awesome. We're just going to chill. And I'm like, we're going to sleep in. We're up late. She's like, babe, we got to be up. We got to be at my sister's house at 7 in the morning. I said, what? We don't got kids? Santa ain't visiting right now. What's going on? Well, 
my niece, you know, Jenna, she, we got to celebrate. Babe, your niece is one years old. She has no clue what is going on. Why do we have to be there at 7 o'clock to open up gifts with your niece? I mean, and look, from 7 a.m. until, I kid you not, 11 o'clock. It's a full-on tour of New Orleans. I think we went to 15 people's house. They all feed you like it's the last meal you're going to eat. I probably gained 35 pounds. You don't, it's kind of like being on a mission trip. You don't want to disrespect them. So they're like, eat whatever they put in front of you. You're like, here, eat some more, eat some more. I'm like, I cannot eat any. It's like, what is happening? You have all these things that are transpiring and, and it can be challenging. It can be difficult. So what do we do with that? How do we navigate that season? How do, we, how do we ensure that we maintain our peace? I want to read for you out of Romans 12. Now, I want to give you a little context about Romans 12. Because before I give you this scripture, and before we look at the words of Paul as he's writing to the church in Rome, I want to give you a little context because it's important for you to understand the significance of what we're about to read together. You see, this whole letter is significant. All, all, the, the whole book of, of Romans is significant, but this chapter really is significant because it's telling the church in Rome a couple of things. One, this is where we get, what does it look like to be a living sacrifice? To, 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 to have this spiritual act of worship, how we live our life, right? That our life can be worshiped unto God. He, he talks about, in the middle, he talks about, here's some giftings. Here's how you're wired. Here's how you're created. Here how, here's how God designed you. And he gives this example and this framework of the body, that we all come together. We work together as a body. And then there's this section where he begins to say, look, these are the marks of a true Christian. That's the header there. The marks of a true Christian, you think about the context of that. That's significant. Paul's trying to communicate something significant about this is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Now, here's the unique thing about this. I read this this week, and and I found this interesting. That many scholars and theologians have said this section could be entitled Christian Guidelines for Interpersonal Relationships. This is a practical discussion on love. But here's the unique nature about Romans 12. Romans 12 is very similar in the content and structure of 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 13. Where we get what 1 Corinthians 13. What is love, all of these things, and, and how we interact with people. And here's the important part of that. Is that immediately after the discussion of spiritual gifts, that's what Paul is talking about just before we read here in Romans 12, 18 comes a warning about pride and an emphasis on practical lifestyles of love. I want you to think about that. There's a way in which you do things. There's a way in which you operate. There's a way in which you like things. I know, because I see you walk in, and your flow, and you go here and there, and your coffee, and then then we kind of throw a little curveball, and you're like, wait, what? We've got hot chocolate and cookies? I can tell what cookies you like because I see you. You just graze. You just kind of like, is that your first one or is that your fourth one? You know, it doesn't matter. Half ten of them. I don't care. You, you have a flow, a way in which you operate. And so Paul is writing here and he's saying, listen, there's a way in which you operate, but here's what I want you to see. And in the middle of this section of here's what it looks like practically to be a Christ follower and what it should look like in our lives, we have Romans 12, 18. Because what I'm going to read to you and what we're going to read together, I want you to understand the context of what is happening here. This is more than just, oh, Pastor Chris talking about peace, and so he just grabbed this one scripture. No, he is saying, Paul is writing, goes, here's how you interact in relationships. 
Here's how you operate within your family and with others. Romans 12, 18. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Man, reading the Bible is not easy. That's hard. If it's possible, which means what? It is possible. It's possible. Now, I didn't say it was easy, but it's possible. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Like the person that offended me, the person that hurt me, my mom or my dad that disappointed me and came up short and never really fulfilled what it should look like to be a mom or a dad, that sibling that we have been at odds since the time we were five years old and now we're 55 years old. You mean be at peace with that person? Do you know what they did to me? No, I don't. But I know what God's word says. I know what Paul is saying to us. He's saying, as much as it depends on you, live at peace. You see, we can't control how others treat us, but we can control how we treat others and how we respond to others. But this is hard. Live at peace with everyone. That's hard. But that's because oftentimes it's more challenging than we realize because we don't actually know what peace is. Now, before I share with you, here's what peace is. I want to share with you what peace isn't. Okay? I want to help you understand because sometimes the biggest hurdle is we want peace, but we, we think it's something that it's not. Here's what peace is not. It, it isn't ease. It isn't ease. To have peace, it costs. You're called, the Bible says we're called to be a peacemaker. That takes some action. That takes some initiative. That takes some work. Peace doesn't equal ease, and ease doesn't equal peace. You hear the word peace, and it, it sounds lovely, and, and you have this picture in your mind of what peace looks like. So you think when it, things are peaceful and there's peace, and it's going to be easy. Peace is not ease. Peace is also not clarity. It's not clarity. You're not going to have clarity in every situation. We want clarity. We like clarity because if you're like me, you like to be in control. You like to know what to expect. And so you would assume that if everything's clear, then I have peace. And then in turn, you would also assume because it's not clear that you don't have peace. That's not true. You can have peace in the middle of uncertainty and a lack of clarity. But here's the third thing. Here's what peace is not. It's not the absence of conflict. It's not the absence of conflict. There will be times where there will be conflict. There's conversations that will be had. Conflict is not bad. Unresolved conflict is not bad. It can be bad. But it's when you handle conflict in an unhealthy way. So I want us to see, before we recognize what peace is, I want us to see what peace isn't. Because sometimes these become the hurdles that we have to overcome. It's very similar to forgiveness. Oftentimes the things that hinder us the most when it comes to forgiving others is we really don't understand what forgiveness is and, and we have to understand what it isn't in order for us to really walk in it. But here's what peace is. First is this, peace is a presence. It's Jesus. He is the prince of peace. He gives peace. He is peace. It's a presence. So that's why in the middle of difficulty, in the middle of uncertainty and a lack of clarity, in the middle of conflict, I can have peace because I have Jesus. That's what we've been talking about, and that's what we've been looking at over the first two weeks with Pastor Jeff, that Jesus gives peace. Here's the second thing. Peace is the ability to have tough conversations and resolve conflict in a healthy way. Woo. Conflict. We don't like that word. 
you're going to have to have tough conversations. You see, the frustration that you have right now with your family, with your in-laws, with the challenges that keeps going on and on, I will say at this point, if you're already aware of it and it's not new news to you, at this point, it's at the place it's at more than likely because we're having a difficult time having a tough conversation. That's not easy. But when we know that Jesus is with us and for us, that his favor rests on us, and we have peace that we can experience because of that, then we can have the necessary conversations that we need to have that actually lead to peace. Now, make no mistake, this is in a healthy way. Notice this. You're like, oh, I like that. I like having a conversation. I love telling people about themselves. Let me tell you what I think about you. Now, time out. It's not what you say. It's how you say it. All right? So you could be right, but you could be wrong in your delivery. There's a healthy way in which you have a conversation. But here's the other thing that peace is. It's the assurance that he is with you and he is for you. There's assurance that he's with you and that he's for you. Now, understanding what peace is is so significant because when we recognize what this is and what it looks like, it helps us navigate the challenges that we experience in life. You see, I want to make it real practical for you, but before I get there and and, kind of share some of these things with you, I want you to see, here's what I've realized in life and in ministry for Wendy and I, having done this now for 20 plus years, walking with people, serving people, pastoring people, leading people. The two areas that Wendy and I end up most of the time helping people navigate challenging situations through, it's family hurt and church hurt. The two areas that you should feel the most encouraged, empowered, cared for, yet it's the two areas that have been the greatest source of pain. Why? Because the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to rob your peace, but you don't have to let him. But what we have to recognize, there's a part that we play. I've got to step into something. I I have to recognize, I, I may have to have conversations that I need to have. I may need to resolve issues that need to be resolved. But remember, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, you can live at peace with everyone. So how? How do I make it possible to keep my peace? Because guess what? It does depend on you. So I thought about it. You know, you think about, you know, checklists during this season. You got a lot of checklists. You're like, I'm checking it once. I'm checking it twice. You got all these checklists. So I'm going to give you kind of some things to think through. Some ways in which you can ensure, as much as it depends on you, that you can protect and maintain your peace. Not just in Christmas. Not just in this season. Not just in time where you have extended time with family and extended family. But in your life. Because this will translate beyond just change the season, change the holiday, change the interaction. These Practical things will help you principally navigate what this looks like. First is this. It, 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 it can be possible. How do I make it possible to keep my peace? Well, first is recognize that peace comes from Jesus, not from your family. We think, again, if everything's great with my family, if everything's going well, if everything's at ease, if everything's clear, if everything's no one's being crazy, no one's having those conversations, no one brought up the topic, whatever the topic is in your home, that causes strife and difficulty. No one did that. Then all of a sudden you feel like there's peace. Well, your family doesn't give you peace. Jesus gives you peace. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, 
We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it's not through works, but it's through faith that we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's faith in him. Remember, you can't have peace, the peace of God, if you're not at peace with God. You, you wonder, why is there chaos and friction and challenges? Well, have you surrendered your life to Christ? Have you surrendered your life to the Prince of Peace? Have you made him the Lord and Savior of your life? Savior is what he does for us. We all need a Savior. Lord is who he is to us. So then not only do I come and I surrender my life to Christ, am I allowing him to be the Lord of my life? See, because I can be in right standings with God. I have a relationship with him, but I make a mistake. I walk in sin. There's going to be a challenge. There's going to be friction. There's going to be distance, and you will feel the absence of peace. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, he gave us a gift. Paul talks about it in Corinthians. It's called repentance. Paul says in Corinthians 9, he says, look, godly sorrow, what does that mean? That means I see my sin the way God sees my sin, okay? Godly sorrow leads to true repentance. Worldly sorrow leads to death. What's worldly sorrow? I'm sorry I got caught. I'm sorry they called me out on it. Now, even think about just for a brief moment, you think about that word sin. You think, well, like every single one of you has a context in your mind when you think of sin. And you're probably thinking about these big things, you know. It's like this massive, just, you know, terrible moral issue, whatever it is, okay. But James, the brother of Jesus, I love how he put it. I mean, you, if you if you like, you just want to be like, I just want it good, just like, just tell me how it is, read the book of James. James is going to tell you how it is. No one better than the, the brother of Jesus to tell you how it is. James says this, for a man to know what is right and not to do it, such is sin. See, in your mind, you're thinking, well, you know, it's these big things. Drugs, sex, rock and roll, you know. Okay, well, I'm not doing any of those things, so I must be okay. Well, for you to know what is right, what's the Lord been speaking to you? Maybe about honoring your spouse. Maybe about honoring your children. Maybe about ways in which you interact with people. Maybe about walking in forgiveness. For you to know what is right and not to do it, God's word says such is sin. So now you understand that context and you wonder, why do I feel this chaos in my life and this absence of peace? Perhaps there's an area you need to surrender to the Lord. You go, God, I, I surrender that to you. I give that to you. You know, you think about that. Remember, peace comes from Jesus, not your family. Maybe you're the only Christian in your family. Maybe this is the first Christmas where you're going home as a Christian. You've surrendered your life to Christ, and now you're going, you're like, what do I do? How do I handle that? How do I navigate that? Well, look, go in not expecting anything. It's like sometimes people talk to me like, preacher, have you seen this guy over here? They're acting like this, acting like that. I'm like, well, do they know Jesus? Well, no, they're far from God. I mean, they're, the, I mean, they're so far from God. I'm like, well, why are you surprised they're acting that way? Why are we surprised when people who don't know Jesus act like people who don't know Jesus? You already know what your family's going to act like. When you go into your home, don't be surprised. Just because you have Jesus, you're going to be like, oh, you're walking in, angels are singing, and you're just a new person. You think everyone's going to be like, ooh, hey, peaceful. Now they're going to cuss, they're going to say stuff they shouldn't, they're going to talk about stuff they shouldn't, and it's going to rub you the wrong way. And you're going to have an opportunity to lose your peace. You know what you do? Go in and serve them. Go in and love them. Go in and be Jesus, an example of Jesus to them. Already knowing how they're going to operate and how they're going to act. Psalms 29, 11, the Lord gives strength to his people, and the Lord blesses his people with peace. God is going to give you strength. 
And he's going to give you peace. And he's going to bless you as you spend time with family, as you walk into environments and interaction with people. But look, I want to make it real practical for you. I mean, literally make it real practical. Here's, here's a little game plan, a little family gathering game plan for you, okay? Here's the first thing. When you go home, when you're interacting with family, say this, I'm going to stay prayed up. You're driving over there, whether it's a 50-minute drive, a five-hour drive, or a five-minute drive, I'm going to be prayed up. I, I, I'm going to be focused on, on operating in the favor of the Lord and resting in him. I don't have to strive for anything. I'm going to be on mission. Give yourself a goal how you're going to serve and how you're going to be an example and how you're going to show the love of Jesus to your family. Because then that translates into, okay, I'm going to serve. I'm going to go above and beyond. Well, how do I do that? What, get up and do the dishes. I don't know. Go the extra mile. Do something caring. Think of this, I'm going to celebrate others. It's, it's not about me. I'm going to celebrate what God is doing in other people's lives. Even if they don't have a relationship with God, they don't even know God. I'm going to celebrate that. I'm going to be generous. And I'm going to be real hard to offend. I'm going to be real hard to offend. you got to choose that. I'm telling you, if you'll set this game plan before you go into the environment, you're more than likely, you're more than likely going to be able to hold on to the peace that only comes from Jesus. But here's the thing. You can have a plan all day long, but like the great philosopher Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. So what happens when that conversation comes up and you get punched in the mouth? What are you going to do? Here's how you can make it possible to keep your peace. You're going to decide That even when you're wrong, you'll supernaturally respond with peace. I'm going to supernaturally. You can't do it on your own. I'm just telling you. It's supernatural. Because let me tell you, boy, those people, they know how to push your buttons. They've been doing it for the last 30, 40 years. I mean, you know what I'm saying? They know. And and look, super passive aggressive, right? It's just these little comments and slight, you know, under their breath. You know, they just, but you decide. I'm going to supernaturally respond in peace. You see, I want to be ready. Jesus taught us. He showed us how to be ready. I'm going to show you. I'm just telling you, you start reading the Bible, you're like, ah, oh, man, that's going As much as it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, that's not easy. But, but look at the words of Jesus in Matthew 5.38. When someone has wronged you, here's Jesus' plan and how you respond to them. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek. Really, Jesus? Yeah. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Poof. I need supernatural help to do that. I don't know about you. Maybe, maybe you got enough, you know, physical strength, mental strength. I, don't, I need Jesus to help me do that. Because when you're wrong, it's going to take supernatural help to walk with peace with everyone. You see, think about the significance of that. Jesus always goes to the heart. That's, what I, that's what's so challenging about that scripture. You see, but the problem is in society, we say things like, follow your heart. Kids, just follow your heart, baby. You can do it. Don't follow your heart. 
lead your heart. The problem is we have a bunch of people following their heart, and I feel like this and I feel like that. Your feelings will mislead you. Your emotions will mislead you. Don't hear what I'm not saying, though. I'm not saying emotions are the enemy. We should listen to our emotions. We should learn from our emotions. Okay? Because you can recognize what's under the surface, what's really going on there. But we don't need to be ruled by our emotions and feelings, and we don't need to be led by our emotions and feelings. We need to do the leading. And that's only supernatural. Supernatural to be able to do that. I mean, look at what happens here. Because it'll take supernatural grace to respond appropriately and not react inordinately. Look, look what happens. First, you get insulted. You got slapped in the face. What does Jesus say? He says, turn a second cheek. Turn a second cheek. You see, hurt people will hurt people. It's going to happen. How will you respond? But here's the thing. Walking with people, here's what I've learned. Rejected people... You know, you think, oh, well, hurt people, hurt people, rejected people, reject people. When someone's dealt with rejection in their life, here's actually more appropriately defined when it comes to people who've wrestled with rejection. Rejected people don't necessarily reject people. What they'll do is they'll push you and hurt you to see if you'll reject them. Here's my encouragement to you. Don't be like everyone else in their life that's rejected them. Keep leaning in. Keep leaning in. Keep leaning. Keep loving. Keep serving. Keep going. Because then what happens? He says, look, then you were, you were wrongly accused. What does he say? If someone sues you for your shirt, give them your coat. Yeah, like go above and beyond, which then leads to the last one. What does he say? You're going to be inconvenienced. But you know what? Go the second mile. Change it up. Start serving. Start loving. Go the extra mile. What would happen if people in your life, because when you do that, people will recognize there's something about you. Tell me about this Jesus that you serve. I, I had a conversation. A gentleman called me. It's a different scenario uh, as far as like challenges with people, but, but uh, the principle is, is the same. He had an un, his father passed away unexpectedly. And I'm so proud of you, Milestone. He's part of a small group. You're, that, his small group rallied around him, prayed for him, took care of the family until they were able to fly out uh, to, to celebrate his father's life. He flew out right away, was able to see his dad, but his dad passed away unexpectedly. And he, he was sitting there, and he had family members that came to him and said, how are you able to respond this way in this situation? Tell us about Jesus and your faith. He called me. He was so fired up. He's like, Pastor Chris, I just shared the gospel with my family and just shared about Jesus with them. They saw how we've been responding and asked me these questions. What could happen if supernaturally you're walking with Jesus and because you are, people see how you respond when they wrong you? God will give an opportunity. God will give away. See, here's how we do that. We do that because it's really Jesus. You see, every time you're insulted and accused and inconvenienced, it's an invitation to tell them about Jesus. It's an invitation to tell them about God's goodness and his faithfulness. Why? Because actions speak louder than words. They speak louder than words. And what begins to happen is you recognize Jesus has done this in my life. He was accused. He was insulted. He was inconvenienced. And yet he still loved. You see, you think about love your neighbor, love your enemy. The ability to do that is not just trying to love more. The ability to do that is thinking about and being reminded about how much Jesus loves you. Think about how much he loves you. So you can keep your peace if you decide ahead of time, you know what? 
I'm going to respond in a supernatural way with peace. Here's the third thing. You see, those first two, they really, they, do, they have to do with what's going on inside of us. And, and we have to prioritize that because really when we do that, that's what really leads to this overflowing of, again, we get peace from Jesus. He gives us peace. And why does he do that? Because he allows us to be a conduit and extension of his peace. And we can, we can help other people experience that. So here's the third thing is we prioritize inviting family and others to experience God's presence. Your family and friends, you know what they need? They need Jesus. They don't need to calm down. They don't need to be less selfish. They don't need to, be, stop, being, they don't need to stop being so dramatic and demanding. They need Jesus. They don't need to just get over it. They don't need to stop living in the moment and letting things get heated. They need Jesus. Just like you and I need Jesus. Because you think back on Romans 12. You think back what he's saying. And he talks about, again, before he got into this live at peace, he's talking about the body. There's, there's function. There's family and function. Paul talks a lot about that. The early church talks a lot about what does that look like. Family is where you experience unconditional love, or you should. The body is the function. There's a mission. You see, we're about to celebrate a week from today the coming of our Lord Jesus. Luke 19, 10, Jesus makes it real clear why he came. He said, I came to seek and to save the lost. And Jesus is inviting you and me into his mission. There's nothing greater that we could do than be a part of why he came. He didn't come so we have a holiday to celebrate. He didn't come so we and our kids can get gifts. He didn't come so we can have all the decorations up since November 1st. He didn't come so we can start playing Christmas music on our XM or Sirius radio since September 1. He didn't come for all that stuff. We like all that stuff. Nothing wrong with all that stuff. He came to seek and save the lost. It's why he came. It was his plan that people would know Jesus. You see, when you share the gift of his presence with people, it gives an opportunity for their life to be impacted and changed. Psalm 1611 says, in your presence is the fullness of joy. You see, when you think about it, what makes the Christmas candlelight service so special? What we're going to do on Friday and Saturday, what makes that so special? It's not just us experiencing the presence of God, but it's the fact that we've brought someone with us to experience the presence of God. Who could be with you that you know perhaps doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? They're far from God. Maybe they've been wrestling. They've been going through a difficult time. But to, for them to experience God's presence and it transforms their life. You'll have the most incredible Christmas you've ever had if you were to bring someone with you and they experience the presence of Jesus and their life is transformed forever. You'll keep your peace. You'll keep your peace because you begin to recognize what happens and the power of an invitation. I was reminded of this and, and I shared this maybe last week, maybe two weeks ago, and I was reminded of this with a young man. His name was Maddox. And Maddox is a middle schooler. He's in sixth grade. He invited a friend. And the friend that he invited is named Bear. I mean, that's just a cool name. I'm like, Bear, you're powerful, Bear. Well, Bear came to something we do at Elevate called Super Series. And Bear gave his life to Christ. This is a sixth grader. 
okay? Inviting another sixth grader. Well, Bear said, you know what? I'm not going to go alone. I'm going to invite my friend Gavin to church. And Gavin comes, and guess what happens? Gavin gives his life to Jesus. And three weeks ago, these two got baptized together because a sixth grader was willing to go, I want to invite a friend. And on the other end of that invitation, a young man got saved. And then that young man said, I'm going to do what someone did for me and invited another sixth grader. And that young man got saved. And now their families have started coming. They've been taking steps. They're coming in. They're inviting. They're be- I've, met, I've met Bear's uncle. I've met his grandma. I've met his grandpa. You want to know why? Because a sixth grader said, I'm going to invite Bear to come to youth group with me yeah that's a good place to clap I love the fact you don't have to wait to be great but can I tell you I think that brings significance to the words of Jesus faith like a child Maddox won't worry about it in fact he probably didn't even give much thought hey man you want to come free food all right he didn't think about big floppy hair flopping around hey man let's go he didn't think anything of it we think about, what are they going to think? What if they say no? What if I say the wrong thing? I need, to get, I need to get a three-point sermon from Pastor Chris on how to invite someone to church. No, you don't. I grew up in Austin, Texas, but I lived in Lafayette, Louisiana for 13 years. And you know when you give out invitations at the bottom, it says RSVP. Respondez-vous, s'il vous plaît. You're like, wow, I didn't know you could speak French. I really can't, you know. I just knew that word and then Cajun French. <laughs> but you know what that means down south? You don't have to be all fancy. It just means y'all coming. That's all you need to do. Why do we print out those cards that are on your seat? Not so you leave them there because half of you do. So you take them and you pass them out. Now I'm stepping on toes. I know. I'm sorry. You're like, wrap it up, Pastor Chris. I will. I'm going to pray for you. So you can invite someone to experience the presence of Jesus the same way someone invited you. And what could happen? Their life could be changed, their family changed, and their eternity changed forever. Because, not because of you, but because you are willing to join Jesus in his mission to seek and to save the lost. And Jesus' presence transforms them. Here's the last thing. Here's the way we keep our peace. As you say, I'll choose to serve others and keep the main thing the main thing. Christmas, it's a holiday, but I love to think of it this way. It's, it's a holy day. I love the lights. I love the food. I really like food, especially the sweets, man. I love it. I like the decorations. I like the Christmas carols. I like the music. I like it all. But it's all peripheral to the main thing. It's all peripheral to the main thing. Acts 20 Verse 32 says, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it's more blessed to give than to receive. How can you serve this Christmas? Maybe, maybe you just started coming, you're like, man, I haven't even done, you know, 101 yet. And that's okay, uh, but I want to serve. Can I help out? Yeah. We want to make a way for you to serve. Well, what can I do? You could hold the door. You could greet. You could take care of the hot chocolate table. Because half that hot chocolate and half the toppings end up all over the table when the kids get to it. But you know what? God bless them. I love that they're getting it. Whatever it may be. Why? Because you're going to be more blessed. Here's, I'm going to give you two simple things. Here's two ways you could be blessed. This Christmas and this Christmas Eve is one, serve one, attend one. Perhaps you'd like to serve. Be a part of serving. Be at a service. Give. 
There was a lady at our Keller campus. She, we, we talked about this, just serving. Just come, be a part. We have so many people that come. Trust me, there's not going to be a shortage of places to serve. She came. She stuck around for two days straight, served every service. We have 12 services at our Keller campus alone, okay? She served everyone for two days. She was like, I love this. This is the best thing I've ever done. We're like, okay, awesome. I don't know. Maybe she really, maybe she was staying for the cookies and hot chocolate. I don't know. But she stayed and hung out. She served people. It impacted her life. When we came into the new year, she went to 101, 201, started serving part of our church family there. But it started with a simple invitation. But here's the here's second way you can be blessed is be you and be a blessing. Invite and be inviting. When you come into Christmas candlelight celebration, meet the person next to you. Get to know somebody. We have everything you need for invitations and shareables. In fact, I think they're going to throw it up on the screen. You can get out your phone now. Hit that QR code, and you can have everything on your phone. You can start sending that. Maybe you're traveling. Maybe you have family that's out of town. Share the link. They can watch online. They can join in with you. But I'm just telling you, this year, this season... Not just in Christmas or beyond, you can keep your peace. You can keep your peace. You can be proud of how you interacted and responded with your family. You can know that Jesus helped you and encouraged you, that he's with you, that you're resting in him. That you can respond appropriately because of the supernatural help of the Holy Spirit. That you can respond with peace. Because here's what Paul writes in Colossians Colossians 3, 12 through 15, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. What if you put that on when you walked into your home and into your family's environments? Clothe yourself with those things. Bear with each other and forgive one another. And if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you're called to peace and be thankful. There's nothing that'll bring you more peace and more peace to your home than the person that you're believing for, praying for to know Jesus would meet him this Christmas season. We don't have to lose our peace. 